But right now, I want to introduce our next guest. Illinois Supreme Court Justice Joy Cunningham is somebody you all should meet. She has been a lawyer for over 40 years. She served as a judge for half that time. She served on all levels, the trial court, appellate court, and now she sits on the highest court in the state, the Illinois Supreme Court. She's running for an election, in an election to keep her position. It's the primary, which is coming up March 19th, slated by the Democratic Party, highly qualified by all the bar associations. I have admired Joy Cunningham for many years. She has my highest recommendation as a colleague and a friend. Welcome to the show, Justice. How are you? Oh, thank you so much, Karen. I am wonderful, and it's sunny and lovely today, so I, I feel great. Yeah, it's it's like a whole different world when that sun is shining, I'll tell you that. Let's just talk a little That's bit about, so about your background, because I, I think your background is fascinating. Um, it's kind of the uh, American dream, and, and you've had so many diverse experiences. Can you give our listeners just a little bit about who your parents were and what your education was and initial job, kind of initial jobs in your life? Okay, well, my path to the Illinois Supreme Court was certainly nonlinear, let me tell you that. I am, uh, before I became a judge, most people find this uh, interesting, I actually was a registered nurse. My undergraduate degree is in nursing, and so I actually worked as a nurse as a critical care nurse to put myself through law school. I grew up in a family where education and service was really important. Those two things were really important to my parents, who were both working class people. And so when I went to college, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do in the nursing program um, seemed really, it, it seemed like a good fit for me at the time. But I never really settled into what I wanted to do as my life's work until well after I had already become a nurse. And, but, and then in, you were going through law school while you were working as a nurse. Exactly. And, and, you know, that was a wonderful thing for me because I was able to work as a critical care nurse. I worked, I worked in the ICU at Michael Reese and again at the um, in the surgical heart unit at St. Francis Hospital in Evanston for all my law school years. I was a night nurse. And what that did for me was it allowed me to have to, to earn enough money so that I had um, I was able to pay my my expenses as I went along through law school so that when I graduated, I didn't have that large crushing debt that some of my classmates had. But, you know, it was it was a very Spartan and difficult three and a half years working nights, 12 hour shifts, Friday, every Friday and Saturday night. I look back on that and think, oh, my, how did I do that? But and it, it worked out. It, it all worked out. And yes, I find that everything you do in your life, how diverse the, the, your different experiences are, even your part-time jobs as a kid, they all sort of like blend and help you become who you are. You know, they add a dimension to you. Now, a- after you went to law school, I'm just going to kind of go over that you were associate general counsel for Loyola University of Chicago and the Loyola University healthcare system. And then you worked for Northwestern Memorial System. So you kind of used your medical and your legal in a kind of business setting which is a, a great set of uh, skill set, a great set of skills to have. I think that's certainly true. But being a nurse in, in many respects taught me training for life. And I think it's helped me in my career as a judge. And I'll tell you why. I learned patience as a nurse 
especially as a as an ICU nurse, in a way that most judges and certainly most people never have the opportunity to learn in that setting. So you're dealing with people who are very sick. They're at their lowest ebb possible, and you're dealing with their families, so you're problem-solving. People find themselves in crises of, through no fault of their own. You have to help them through that. It really taught me how to listen, taught me how to problem-solve, and taught me how to deal with humanity who are in dire straits. And all of those, I think, are good qualities for a judge to have. And indeed, they helped me. Yeah, the word that comes to mind is world. is compassion, you know, and compassion for people, like you said, who are not in their best frame of mind. They're not happy. And as, as lawyers and judges, you deal with people who are being accused of a crime, being divorced, uh, you know, having their business split up. And it's really a, an important part of being a lawyer to be compassionate and put yourself in someone else's shoes and try to understand where they're coming from. I, I think I can't say that enough about judges and lawyers, how important that is. Absolutely. And as a critical care nurse, I learned that in spades. Let's, um, I, I, we have just a minute before we take a break, but um, you're up for, so you were appointed uh, to the court, the high court, and you've been on for a year, you've been serving, and now you run for election and you're slated by the Democratic Party, you're highly regarded. Um, it's March 19th, is that correct? That's correct. But there is early voting that starts before March 19th. In fact, early voting can start as early as February 15th. But this year, the law says that that can happen. However, this year that probably will not happen because several challenges have been made to to certain positions on the ballot, and the ballot is not going to be printed and and certified until all of those are resolved. So just just generally, how do people go out and vote? If they want to vote from home, I know a lot of our listeners don't, you know, like to go walk to the poll. You know, is, is there an easy way for listeners to get the right to vote from home? Yes, you can you can vote by mail and you have to request there's you have to go to the Board of Elections website and request a vote by mail ballot and they will send it to you. Or you can vote early at one of the early sites around the county. Some are, there are sites in just about every neighborhood. But those are the two ways that you can vote in Illinois. And, of course, absentee ballots for people who are out of state will be sent to you if you request one, if you're out of state, and you will not be back during the time or in time for the election. And all of those can be requested from the website of the Board of Elections. Thank you. Let's uh, take a break now. And and I just want to say before we go, it's important to vote. It's important to vote for judges. And we're going to talk about why it's so important and how you can become educated on who the good judges and justices are to vote for when we come back on WGN. We're talking to Justice Joy Cunningham, who is on the Illinois Supreme Court and running for uh, election on March 19th. Joy, um, I had a question here. Uh, and will are you on the ballot all over the state? Or are you just in the Chicago area? I'm on the ballot in Cook County. The state is divided into five judicial districts for purposes of electing justices to the Supreme Court and the Appellate Court. And Cook County is District 1. And I am one of the justices who sits on the court from District 1. 
Got it. Thank you for answering that. Let's um, let's just quickly. We've got a bunch of different things here. Just give us the the thumbnail here. Why is it so important to become educated on who the good judges are and c- to go out and vote for those judges? Well, I think that it is now more ed- more important than it ever was before because state supreme courts have really become much more important than at any time in our country's history. Many of the rights that we thought were settled on the federal level are now being turfed back to the states by the U.S. Supreme Court. For that reason, state Supreme Courts have now become like the keeper of of constitutional rights for people who live within their borders. And Illinois is no different. So consequently, who sits on your state Supreme Court is now much more important than it ever was. So that's and that's we see so examples of that with reproductive rights, voting rights, and all of those rights that we thought were settled on the federal level. Guess what? They are not settled anymore, and the states get to decide. How does a person get educated on who the good judges are and who aren't? Well, the bar associations, especially um, the Chicago Bar Association. The Illinois State Bar Association, the Chicago Council of Lawyers, the Women's Bar Association, those are four major ones that most people know, as well as the Cook County Bar Association. That's the fifth one. Those, All of those bar associations evaluate judges and judicial candidates, and they post their findings on their website. And it's, it's all available to the public just by, you can either call each any one of those bar associations, and they'll direct you to their website, or you can Google them. And each one of those has a a link, if you Google them, to their judicial evaluations. And it will tell you every single candidate that's on the ballot will be will have some evaluation listed on the website. And if a candidate refuses to go to submit their credentials to the Bar Association, they are automatically found not qualified. So, so it gives you a sense of who these people are and what their credentials are. And I will note that these are very thorough, and uh, they do a very good job, these Bar Associations. And what I normally do is, before the election, I will announce on my show, um, there's usually a place you can go where you can see a grid of all of those Bar Associations, and you can see how they all have um, evaluated the various judges. And you can actually cut it out and take it to the polls and you can use it That's there's no right. it's a cheat sheet there's no there's no rules against that uh and i will be um, hopefully posting that on um the wgn website under my show um you know justice Cun- uh, cunningham i want to note something that i remember president obama said he was the first president that i recall who said about judges who come on the bench listen we all have preconceived notions. They all have different legal backgrounds, ethnicity, gender, life experiences, poverty levels, sometimes, um, you know, not. That judges all are influenced by some bias. There's, there's always some way of looking at the world that will influence their decisions. Do you agree with that? And if so, how do you set aside some of those bias and prejudices when you rule uh, based upon the law? Well, first, I do agree with that. I think implicit bias is something that we all carry, whether you're a judge or a nurse or the mail delivery person. We all have implicit biases that 
that we live with and that are a part of us. And the first, in my mind, the first method of addressing implicit bias is to recognize that we all have it. And I think that judges in particular need to recognize it because you do not want an implicit bias to unknowingly influence your decision. As a member of the Illinois Supreme Court, what what the court has done this year is um, incorporate into what we call our education conference. We have something every two years, all judges in the state of Illinois are required to undergo or to participate in 30 hours of continuing judicial education. And courses on implicit bias are now regularly offered for all judges throughout the state because it's recognized that this is something that we live with. And first, you have to recognize it in order to make sure that you're addressing it so that your rulings are not biased without in, un, in an unknowing way and without you even knowing it. So I am always conscious of making sure, and it's always top of mind for me, implicit bias is something that we all carry, and you have to be aware of it in order to make sure that it doesn't creep into your decision-making. The U.S. Supreme Court has taken sort of a reputational dent uh, for a number of reasons. I, I believe that the reversal is you mentioned of several cases, Roe versus Wade, those relating to affirmative action, um, have, have make people feel like, whoa, we, we had those rights and now we don't have those rights. I thought the Supreme Court was the final say on everything. And then we hear about justices getting gifts and being given trips and things like this. And again, uh, there was no code, I, I believe, for a long time. And now we have a code. Um, it's kind of a skeletal code in, code, in my view. What do you think about this reputational hit? And what can the U.S. Supreme Court or any court do to kind of, uh, you know, get out of this idea that everything is politics? Judges are picked because of politics. They're political in nature and that they're not following the law. They're just following what their politics tell them. Uh, well, I, I think that what one court does that causes disrepute it it really effect it has an effect on all judges whether you're on a state court judge a state court as a state supreme court justice i certainly feel the the ripple effect if you will of what happens on the u.s supreme court because people think of judges just in a you know just in a single manner that oh all those judges do this kind of thing so it's, in my mind, trying to just administer the court system with transparency so that the public knows exactly what's going on and what you're doing. That is so important. I feel so pleased and honored to be a part of the Illinois Supreme Court because it's a court that's really populated by people of high integrity. And I often say that Illinois is a is an oasis in a desert of red states. And by that, I mean, Illinois has really stepped up in a progressive way to make sure that rights that we thought were protected on the federal level are now being protected on the state level and doing it in a very transparent way. So I think that what one court does has a ripple effect on others. So in my mind, we could, we should and could continue to do everything we can as state Supreme Court justices to bring um, reputational repair to the court system.
Joy Cunningham is the justice on the Illinois Supreme Court. She's up for election on March 19th. She served on the court by appointment for the last year. Uh, by all accounts, your your uh, colleagues have given you rave reviews. And we only have just a minute. So I want to just ask you, what is the reason that you are the most qualified candidate for this position? Well, first, first the Illinois Supreme Court looked at all 24 appellate court justices when they were trying to decide who should succeed Justice Burke, and they selected me. Now, they know more than anyone what it takes to be an effective justice of the Illinois Supreme Court. So the fact that they've selected me and I have been doing the job for over a year and have earned high marks from my colleagues, that's the first thing. Second is the wealth and depth of experience that I bring. I have served at all three levels of the court system. And I dare say among my colleagues, and this is kind of an inside comment, an inside joke, but I'm the only justice there with business experience. I bring a wealth of experience both in the private sector and in the public sector to the bench. And the Supreme Court hears a variety of cases, such a broad variety of cases, that it's important to have a justice that has the breadth and depth of experience that I bring to the table. And that's why the Supreme Court tapped me to replace or to succeed Justice Burke. Justice Joy Cunningham up for election March 19th. Can you quickly give our listeners your website so they can learn more about you? My website is joyforjustice.com, and it will tell you everything you need to know about Joy Cunningham. And I am very honored to have had the opportunity to speak to your listeners today. Thank you so much. Uh, Have a good rest of your Sunday.